you want to join, you have to see yourself somehow uh, within your dream, right? And that space is called vision, right? That space between your dream and where you start the process, that's your vision. And now you have to set up the steps in order to get there. What if you fail? That might not be the company you, you start with, could be the company that you might end up with. ballerinas it's almost christmas so i am recording the introduction to this episode in my studio after about two weeks of having only the adults in the studio so the children are on christmas holidays summer holidays whatever you want to call it and um yeah, it's been really different and kind of nice <laughs> just having the adults come in. It's very luxurious only having to teach a couple of classes during the week. Anyway, today's guest is Pacific Northwest ballet soloist Jonathan Batista. Jonathan started his training at a social project in Rio de Janeiro's City of God slums. His talent was then spotted by his teacher, which took him to a pre-professional dance division in Alice Aja Ballet School, where he started his journey in classical ballet. I won't spoil the story about how Batista went from this very humble beginning to performing all over the world. He shares this wonderful story in our conversation today, but I will tell you that during 2017 to 2021, he has performed with Oklahoma City Ballet as a principal dancer. Whilst with the company, Jonathan created two world premieres, winning Best Choreography of the Year by the National Destined to Dancer Award. And in 2021, he won the Art, Culture and Music Award by the TAF Award Foundation for his contribution in representation, activism, work and contributions to the dance community in Oklahoma, which is just amazing. Congratulations, Jonathan, honestly. In this conversation, we cover growing up in Brazil, the importance of having an entrepreneurial spirit, if you're going to have a successful career as a dancer, and most notably, his mission to create more diversity, equity, and inclusion in the dance world. Batista is a man with a mission, and like all humans who want to make a difference in this world, he is incredibly focused, driven, and highly organized. We cover his insane morning routine and disciplined practices, but of course, there's also some balance in there too. I really love chatting to Jonathan. In fact, when recording was done, we spent another few minutes sharing diary recommendations and organization tips. I have a feeling we're cut from the same cloth. I wish Jonathan all the success in the world and would like to thank him for carving out some precious time to share his story with the Balance Ballerinas community. What a fantastic episode to go into the Christmas holidays and feel inspired for a new year. As always, you can find me on Instagram at The Balance Ballerina and you can find Jonathan at Jonathan Batista Official. I love when people actually comment on the latest podcast tile on the official at Balance Ballerinas account. So come say hello and let us know what you enjoyed about today's episode. Enjoy my conversation with my new friend, Jonathan. Welcome to the Balance Ballerinas podcast, Jonathan. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here. Uh, can't wait to get to it. Let's let the listeners know where in the world you are. They all know that I'm in Australia on the Gold Coast. Whereabouts are you today? So I am in Seattle in the northwest part of the United States uh and the state of washington and it's beautiful out here and it's cold i'm sorry to all the australians <laughs> out there <laughs> oh it's okay we we love our summer now um you are in the middle of nutcracker season how's it going 
It's absolutely fantastic. Um, the Nutcracker is one of my favorite productions. Um, and it's also, you know, my favorite, let's say, holiday, even though I'm working and performing for, um, I'd say, 37 shows here in Seattle. And also I'll be guest performing in Lafayette and in, in, in the state of Louisiana. And pretty, pretty soon. And our version is a version of George Balanchine, Nutcracker, uh, which is also my favorite uh, to enjoy. It, it's just a family tradition. And I'm really just thankful to have our audiences back uh, to this holiday tradition, to this production, because I think we've all missed the arts pretty much yeah. all over the world. Definitely. I know I see Nutcracker every year. And as soon as I've uh, gone to the Nutcracker, I feel like it's Christmas. It's just, it's just, it doesn't feel like Christmas until you're sitting in the theater and it starts snowing and, and it's just magic. It's just magic. It's pure magic. I love the Nutcracker. It is. <laughs> me too. Me too. So many people are so kind of, I guess, over it or think it's cheesy. And I'm like, still, I'm still a fangirl of the Nutcracker. It feels like Christmas. So it does feel like Christmas. Yes. Now, Jonathan, you grew up in Brazil. What were you like as a child? How did you come to ballet? I love to know how a little boy in Brazil got to become a ballet, ballet dancer. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I was a very busy kid. Uh, I had a lot of energy. And I think most of my teachers, academic teachers, uh, tried to really, uh, I'd say, calm me down. <laughs> Uh, and they suggested uh, to my parents to put me in dance classes. Uh, and so I started um, in ballroom dance, uh, dance class. But I also, my parents kept me busy throughout the day. So I would go from martial arts, from judo, jiu-jitsu, capoeira, taekwondo, uh, to theater, um, uh, music, uh, piano lessons. Um, I, I learned to play, to play the guitar, uh, but also, uh, let me see, uh, then I went to sports such as football, uh, volleyball, and um, I was swimming as well. And so, yeah, I was a very busy kid, almost so that I did not know what I wanted to become at that time. I was just going through all of these activities you were grocery stuff. shopping. You were just I picking was. everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, my parents were doing that for me. Yes. <laughs> you know, I guess they wanted just, you know, for me to really uh, pick and choose and, and see what I identified myself with as a kid. And I believe that ballet just happened. It was one of those things that I did not enjoy. Ballet, that's number one. <laughs> it took me a while a while to fall in love with it and um and you know ballet is one of the hardest disciplines out there and it takes a lot of dedication passion sacrifice and I did not understand that I was just a kid right but ballet will do that job for you so I did drop every other activity in my calendar and schedule to pay attention to ballet, even against my will, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> and how, how old were you when you dropped everything else to concentrate on ballet? I believe I, was, I believe I was 11 years old. Yeah, because uh, I say that's about the age where you sort of have to decide to, you know, what you're going to focus on, one or two things. And I say to my students, you can't do everything. You sort of have to choose at about that age, 11, 12. So that's interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's the bridge when you literally leave your childhood and you enter teenhood and you start to make decisions for yourself with a little bit of support from your parents, from your family, of course. But it, it is that bridge that you walk in and say, okay, I want to fully concentrate into uh, ballet. But even then, that wasn't my choice. <laughs> and that's why I say I think ballet really, you know, that's the great thing with this art form, that sometimes it chooses some, you know, some of their 
um, individuals, but also you can choose to do it too. You know, it's so much so it is available for everyone. Uh, uh, this activity and 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 I think I fell in love with ballet because I was traveling. I started to travel, and I started seeing and experiencing different cultures different uh, um, mindsets, different behaviors. And that was very interesting uh, to me. And, and I loved it. And my first international trip was to uh, Argentina. So nice. I got to experience the food. I got to experience their music, their dance, their style, and everything, just about everything about Argentinians. And then my second international trip was to the United States when I went to uh, the summer intensive with Miami City Ballet School. And suddenly I'm here in the United States and I'm just like, wow, this is really different, right? Uh, very different to Brazil. <laughs> very different. Yes, absolutely. And, and I had a, a fantastic experience with Miami City Ballet School. But returning to Rio, returning to Brazil, I was... Uh, English National Ballet School was auditioning some, it was just, they just released the audition uh, in Brazil and they were looking for students, new students for their school. And I applied, I got a full scholarship for English National Ballet School. And here am I on my way to, um, to London to join English National Ballet School. And that's where my journey really started. And I think it's when it really clicked. Oh my goodness, I don't have my family here. I'm here for ballet and that's all I have. Yeah. Isn't and it funny? Isn't it funny? I find that when I'm interviewing people, females that start and begin ballet is, uh, is more the story of, I just couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. I loved ballet more than anything. And so many men that I speak to, it's like, ballet just sort of found me I was kind of really good at it and it just made me you know gave me the ability to like travel and then I was like I don't really like this but then I loved it <laughs> it's such a common story it is I think yeah it is somehow for uh and, and it's something that is in discussion a lot in the ballet world that is a certain privilege to man Right, yes. uh, from world. it's just like, wait, did you pick and choose? Did you concentrate? We are all working hard. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, all the all the ones that I talk to, where it's like, oh yeah, I, I kind of picked it up when I was fifteen, and I'm like, <laughs> and all the females you talk to, it's like, started when I was three. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and the no. Shoes, you have to go through the point shoes, well, well, soft shoes first, then you go through point shoes all of the work that the ladies have to do in order to, you know, build, right, that resume, build that, uh, your, your muscles and, and your physicality and mentality to join the ballet world. And here comes, you know, us with just, oh, you know, it's not many of you. So uh, would you You'll like do. to join? <laughs> oh, that will do. Uh, welcome. <laughs> this no, is ballet. But but I am so glad that you found ballet because you are incredibly, whilst I haven't had the pleasure of watching you in real life, hopefully one day when travel comes back, but um, I've seen many clips of you performing and thank goodness you did come to ballet and fall in love with it because you are absolutely stunning on stage, may I say. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, you know, it's been an incredible and, and fruitful journey where, you know, I started young, well, I started at 11 years old, and uh, I did all of these activities that literally influenced somehow uh, my dancing, uh, also the, uh, my background, my heritage also comes into play, and, and going to English National Ballet was a game changer, such a life-changing experience, and I also got to experience the Royal Ballet Summer School uh, back in 2009, and that was just incredible, um, an experience I'll never forget. And, and starting my career, my professional career, wasn't the easiest because I got injured right in my second year of school. 
usually we have three years of school with yeah. English National Ballet School or the Royal Ballet School. And uh, I got injured, uh, but I think by my half, a uh, half of my second year. And I had so many, uh, so well, I had few opportunities to join uh, companies uh, during that year, and I wasn't able to do so. On my third year, I graduated, and Edward Villela, who was the founder of Miami City Ballet, invited me to join uh, the company and recover uh, with the company uh, until I joined the company. I, I Well, let me say, I was a student apprentice at the time. Uh, they used to have that position. It was student apprentice, company apprentice, and then you joined the court of ballet. And I joined as a student apprentice. They were extremely generous uh, to me uh, and very patient as well as I was going through a, a traumatic injury. Uh, I broke my foot. I was uh, going to say, what did you do? <laughs> I know. Well, I think I, I was in England uh, that one Saturday and I was going to rehearse Giselle. Uh, as Albrecht and Hilarion. And, um, and unfortunately I felt my foot, something really popped on, I think my right foot. And I kept going. And that same evening I traveled to uh, Munich in Germany uh, to perform. And so I traveled when I got there, of course my foot was in swollen and increasing in size and I did perform the following more uh, afternoon uh, or the performance that lasted about two hours and I traveled back to England at night and and that was it I had to stop for two years after that because I think I I broke bone in half. Uh (laughs) Jonathan you did a good job. I know, right? I'm sorry, everyone who's listening to this. <laughs> this is horrible. Um, oh. It's the experience of, of a dancer. And also, you know, being young, you always want to hug the world, right? With one hand at times. And and so I, I paid the price uh, and I, I went to Miami. I recovered with Miami City Ballet. And then I had the opportunity to join the National Ballet of Canada, which was a contract that I, uh, I was offered at the Prix de Lausanne in 2011. And I was able to recover that contract and I joined the National Ballet of Canada, stayed with them for a year. And after that, I was forwarded by Karen Kane, the artistic director at the time to Boston Ballet. And that's when I started my professional career in the quarter ballet of Boston Ballet. Wow. And you have I, been all around the world, all around the world. <laughs> I had the not so such a traditional uh, path when it comes to uh, a professional dancer career, right? Well, professional ballet dancer career, which usually you join a ballet company, you stay with them for about 15 to 20, 25, and sometimes 30 years. Uh, and you retire from that company and you carry all that knowledge and history from that one uh, uh, institution. Uh, So, but for me, I think when I joined Boston Ballet, it was very interesting. I got a lot of opportunities right away. And during my second year, that slowed down a little bit. And I, I always asked myself, I was always very curious, uh, what's the world out there like? Because sometimes as dancers, we do limit ourselves to one uh, career, even being a ballet dancer. I mean, there are so many ways we can explore uh, this career uh, in ballet or in dance in general, right? You could be a commercial dancer. You could be a, a ballet teacher, which I have been a ballet teacher as well. You could be a coach, a mentor, Uh, There are so many venues that you can explore. So I really wanted to explore the world out there and and set goals for myself, very goal-oriented as well. And and I thought, well, let me see what's out there for me. So I started auditioning. And, And that's when I started growing because I also wanted to become a complete dancer, meaning a Boston Ballet only did classical. Uh, and I wasn't being given the opportunity to dance contemporary. 
So when I joined Cincinnati Ballet as a soloist, I was doing more contemporary, but then I wasn't given the opportunity to do partnering uh, in the classical uh, ballets such as Nutcracker, right? I was just being a soloist. So I moved to the Oklahoma City Ballet to have the whole experience as a partner, as a contemporary dancer, but also as a classical ballet dancer. And once I moved to the Oklahoma City Ballet as a principal dancer, I was able to then tap on who is Jonathan Batista first as a human, and then what is it I, I want to convey as an artist, right? And that's when I started to tap on, you know, with deep within my essence, what is it that I want to uh, really experience? What, what is my artistry like? What is artistry for me? How do I define it? And of course it, it is defined by life experiences, right? And, and vulnerability and, and so on. I mean, there are so many things that we could go into. And, and I was able to do that after, let's say, five years in this career, uh, right, of just, oh, you want to get to a place, so you want to, uh, uh, you know, you have your ups and downs, your battles, your wins, your failures, and that's when the artistry started. I had a rebirth, to be very honest. And, and, and then a lot of people asked me, well, after four years with the Oklahoma City Ballet, which was the longest that I've been with the ballet company, why did I move? Well, I think I moved because since the artistry within me was speaking louder than, oh, I want to get to a place, I want to do this or that, um, I thought the Pacific Northwest Ballet for being a company that uh, does a lot of contemporary and very artistic uh, productions, such as let's say um, Crystal Pipe, Plot Point, um, or what else we're doing this season. We're doing Twilight Tharp, uh, Waiting at the Station. We also are doing on tour um, Ulysses Dobes, uh, in the front porch of heaven, which extremely about body, mind, and soul experience. It's, it's lovely. And so I said, you know what? I think I want to go that route and really experience uh, being, uh, bringing my artistry to the forefront of my career. Uh, and so here am I. And this is my journey, everyone. I'm sorry, it's long. <laughs> no. No, it's not long. It's just rich. And it's basically a beautiful story of Jonathan finding Jonathan and what Jonathan wants and what you can bring and to your audiences, to your community, but most importantly, yourself, like fulfilling yourself. And so I, that it's really a beautiful example of not settling so for really, you know, because you could have stayed in those companies and been like, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to find a company that can, uh, you know, artistically familiar, uh, fulfill me in all areas. So I'll just have to work it out in a different way. But you've really just, you know, found what works for you. And that's brilliant. I think it's great. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and you know, what's important, too, is that it's hard to find, it's sometimes it can be challenging to find that balance where you balance your, even your personal life, right? Which is a huge part of your artistry, but also managing your ballet career and things that you want to do after your career and, and things that you want to create. Uh, if you want to become a creator, a choreographer, uh, a mentor, uh, which I'm a mentor for some artists as well, younger artists. And because it's one thing that is really important that you've mentioned right now, it's that I was trying to find myself. And somehow in our, our career, uh, there is a pressure for you to, um, to, to really stay within that one place, to really settle for uh, less than who you are and what you could bring to the table. So it's very important that we ask those questions to ourselves. Who am I today? Uh, who do I want to become and who am I becoming? Those questions are so important in order, in order for you to move forward in your, in your career 
And I think I did that unknowingly. And then I acknowledged it as, you know, new generations started to come up and ask me questions. And I was just like, oh my goodness, look, this is my life experience. Mm. And this is what I would suggest. And, and you know, some of them went on to have a, a great start and, and also be able to make a decision for themselves. Yeah. Right. Which is very important. So. I, I think in the ballet world, and especially, especially I think ballet compared to other dance disciplines, there is a real um, story of conforming um, and sort of being put in a box. And that's really lovely and really um, refreshing to hear that um, you've had dancers come to you for advice. And so they should, because you're an amazing example of being able to fit into this very typical conformist sort of world, but be still yourself. So yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> you. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, very, especially in audition, audition season is coming up and, and, and people are already asking, Hey, what should I do? I said, Hey, send it to everywhere. <laughs> send it to your favorite places, you know, places that you want to be in and, and, I understand it could be frustrating when you get a no, uh, but you never know. You get a no today, but it doesn't mean that you can get, a, you, you know, a no tomorrow as well. Uh, I, yeah. I've, I always said, I've always said that I auditioned for uh, Ballet West for four years and I did not get in, but I also auditioned for Pacific Northwest Ballet before and I did not get in. And, you know, eight, nine years later, here am I at Pacific Northwest Ballet. So you, you never know where your journey will take you. Uh, it, and I think that it's really important for us to focus on just enjoying the process because that's what is going to take you where you want to be and who you want to become enjoying the process that will allow you to really understand uh, what your next step will be. You've spoken a lot about goal setting and discipline and the process. I bet you have a really good morning routine. What does, oh my. What does Jonathan's morning routine look like? Because you are so driven. I'm guessing you have a good one. And we love morning routines around here at the Balanced Ballerinas podcast. So what do you do? <laughs> Fantastic. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I am ready. I'm so ready because I just have a feeling. I bet you've got a good one. Okay. So I wake up between 4 a.m. and 4.30 a.m. every day. Okay. And so I do my little med meditation, a short meditation. Uh, I do journal as well. And then I have my first breakfast at about, I would say 4.30 or 4.45. It depends on what time I wake up. I do really give myself that window between 4 to 4.30. And then I go to the gym for a workout at 5 or 5.30 because of that window. Um, come back from the gym and I have my second breakfast and I prepare my bag for the day and I check my emails about at about 7 a.m. And at 8 a.m. I'm ready to leave. So I get to work classes at 9.15 uh, a.m. So I get to work at, at about 8.15 a.m. So I have an hour to really fill the space, to really go through those Pilates machines and uh, also, you know, massage my body if needed to, do, to, to be massaged. And 9.15 through uh, 6 p.m. is rehearsal. We have an hour lunch. And then I come back home and I go through my schedule, whether I do social media or I'm editing something or I'm talking to somebody else or I'm assisting a student, um, mentoring someone or, I'm, yeah, that's my routine. Uh, every single day, Saturday and Sunday, I dedicate to... Uh, networking with people, spending time with just getting to know people. It's a new city for me. Uh, and yeah, visiting with friends and having me time. 
but Sunday is completely because I was going to check I was going to make sure that you had a day off because that is a grueling schedule but you know what I think sometimes people need to hear what is actually involved in the line of work that a professional dancer does because sometimes I think that they um that they think that you just show up to the performance and off you go. <laughs> it's just oh <laughs> so much more involved. Okay. I'm glad I asked that because I had a, a sneaky suspicion that you had an incredibly disciplined morning and all day routine, really. So amazing. I, I take my hat off to you for getting up that early in the morning. <laughs> I couldn't do yeah, it. Thank you. Well, but I do get to bed sometimes at 8 p.m. It's yeah. when I put all the electronics down, everything, yeah. uh, phone, computer, Alexa, uh, and everything else. Um, and sorry, I don't know that. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't right. say your name again. <laughs> I apologize. Yes, I won't. And oh, so um, funny. <laughs> and uh, by 10 p.m., I have to be in bed and my eyes need to be closed at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it takes a lot. You know, I think discipline is very important for every profession, but especially in dance, because we, our body and minds, they, they do need to recover really well. Uh, well but discipline, tool. Right, they're your tool. Uh, discipline is very important because passion quite often is able to just fade and to just leave and not be within that room, within that space, that time. You're not passionate about it all the time. Uh, and, and that's my experience. Um, and so when you have the discipline, you know that you have to go through the process of your routine, right? To wake up, to prepare yourself, uh, to really meditate in order for me to have the mental health uh, elevated uh, to have also right having the your mental health elevated that means that your physical health will suffer less impact right whenever you're rehearsing whenever you have even an injury it's you're able to recover faster uh, I myself have only had one injury and it was during my school years during my professional career I've never been injured uh, which is very fortunate, uh, but also I understand and I acknowledge that it's the process of having discipline, of eating well, eating healthy, uh, you know, having my smoothies in the morning, my greens, and, and also my electrolytes, drinking water, hydrating. Uh, it, it, those are very important steps in order for you to maintain a mental and physical balance. We and therefore, balance around here. oh yes, there you go. And therefore, that can really increase the length of an individual's career. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, a dancer takes human optimization to a whole nother level. And on top of that, I've also heard you talk about the fact that a dancer has to have an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, people believe that all you need is some talent, some nice feet, some good legs, but you need so much more than that. What do you mean by each dancer has to have that entrepreneurial spirit? I think being an entrepreneur, it also starts with your routine. I think, mm -hmm. you know, being an entrepreneur, it requires a lot of discipline, right? Uh, um, you know, waking up early and setting up goals. I actually just bought, I'm sorry, I'm going to go. It's in, it's within the topic, but I just bought what is called a legend planner. Create a legendary life, achieve your goals, increase productivity and create happiness in your life. And this little book is fantastic because you could really write uh, your vision for your career um, and you can go through your one-year goals, three weeks, two weeks, one weeks, and what tactics you can set for yourself. And that's what I mean by being entrepreneurial. Uh, what would, do you want to achieve within your school years, 
right? What company would you like to join? What if you fail? And what if you succeed? So you do need to have those scenarios in your mind in order for you to uh, become, start to become. Becoming a ballet dancer, it's not something that, you know, I'll become a ballet dancer within a professional ballet dancer in a ballet company within two years. I think it starts now. If you want to become a professional ballet dancer, it starts now. And that start is just the process, right? You want to join, you have to see yourself somehow uh, within your dream, right? And that space is called vision, right? That space between your dream and where you start the process, that's your vision. And now you have to set up the steps in order to get there. What if you fail? That might not be the company you, you start with, could be the company that you might end up with. And sometimes you get there and you're like, you know what? This is not for me. How many dancers have retired earlier, uh, early due to, you know, achieving their goals and saying, you know what? Uh, I need something else. I'm not complete. I'm not fulfilled. So being entrepreneurial is about that. Put yourself up there. Uh, and the greatest tool for getting out there, because I know sometimes it can be challenging, is fear. Because we fear, right? We fear about sometimes being ridiculed, ridiculed uh, or just, you know, the shame of it, right? And, and nowadays for me, whenever I feel shame or, you know, which is a little bit, you know, walk, it walks hand in hand with, with fear, uh, I just go for it. I absolutely go for it. And, and then I'm just like, wow, it wasn't that hard. But sometimes it is hard, you know, it is just the process of evolving, of developing uh, who you want to become. But again, think about that space, the space between you and your dream is really what I call your vision. And then uh, between you, the process and your dream is called the vision as you start that process. And then you just step by step, year one, and then you work on that year one. What do you need to do in order to get there? And that's what I mean by being entrepreneurial. And once you get there, it's just another level. Because sometimes what we don't understand is that we get to a place and it gets so challenging that sometimes we just want to quit. Mm -hmm. And when it gets challenging, it just means that it just means that you just reached another level that is unknown to you. Mm -hmm. And you have to work your way up. I always say to people that I believe you should do one incredibly scary thing a year, whether that's jumping out of a plane or whether that's, you know, applying for a dream job. Something scary keeps you alive. Maybe not jumping out of a plane, but, you know, <laughs> do it safely. <laughs> I thought about it. I truly thought about that. And I, I just watched a few videos just two days ago. <laughs> that's so funny. You couldn't pay me enough. I'll do other scary things. But. Anyway, I want to ask, your mission is to bring diversity, equity and inclusion into ballet companies. How are you going about this and how is your mission going? Um, I think my first step when I was a principal dancer with the Oklahoma City Ballet, the first thing that happened, you know, we had a lot of protests going all over the world. Uh, and here in the United States, I think we were also protagonists within, with, with these protests. And it sparked a lot of conversations in ballet companies as well. Lots of dancers started speaking up. I was one of them. And, and, and it created a lot of positive outcome. Uh, and we were able to sit down, have conversations, and I was so fortunate to see the results with the Oklahoma City Ballet, the immediate results. We started working and paying attention to things that perhaps, well, we weren't paying attention to, we were naive to, and when, when we say that, I say we because we are the organization. I'm a part of it too, and, if, and, and I often say if you want to, you, you have to be the change that you want to see. And so, and I understand it could get really, once again, it can get really scary. Uh, it's, you know, I was fearful at one time, at, at a certain time. Uh, and, and I went on, we talked about it, we worked on it. And it's very important because um, art often reflects 
um, reality. And also art also, and art also reflects community. It's the idea of community and beauty and relationships. And so who are we, are we representing? You know, when you go to, uh, uh, when you come to Seattle, when you go to Oklahoma City, or when you go to, let's say, Miami, you know, you have many different communities. You have the Black community, you have the Latinx community, you have the white community, you have Caucasians and Asians and uh, uh, natives. And so in order for us to start a relationship, start a conversation, right, we need to feel represented. And that's what I talk about. Uh, that we need to move into, into that direction of representation. And, and the conversation is, how do we create that representation within a ballet company? And it's with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what do you mean by that? And, you know, are you providing uh, opportunities uh, and accessibility through uh, casting, rehearsal time, um, performance and on stage time as well. Are you going through that? And then you, it's a question of representation as well that goes hand, hand in hand with visibility. How do you create visibility? First, you go through the process of casting, uh, uh, studio rehearsal, uh, on stage time and performance, correct? And that's how we do marketing, right? We take photos of these dancers being black, being Latinx, being white, Caucasians, Asians, uh, natives, and so on, uh, and the LGBTQIA community as well. And, and so when people are seeing the social media, right, which is usually what we are connected to these days uh, a lot, we, we see that and we feel represented. We want to take up our families, we want to take our friends, because when you see that on stage, that person, you see yourself. It's the reflect uh, the reflection of who you are. And, and then you build relationship, right? You start building that, oh, wow, I really want to go to the ballet. You know, I've seen that it's possible for my, my daughter to become a ballerina. I see it's possible for my son to become a ballet dancer. Uh, uh, because I saw, you know, a black young man, because I saw a Caucasian or Asian native, you know, and you go through the communities in order to create that greater representation. And so, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's my goal. And, and, and I think we, we're really, we're really open to talk about that. Yeah. Or for simply audience members to feel comfortable enough to attend the ballet because it can be a very whitewashed world. I mean, if you have a more rich and diverse company, the audience receives a more rich and diverse performance. Everyone in the audience, you know, can see themselves on stage, whether that's Black, Indigenous, Asian, et cetera. And they feel not just that maybe they could become a professional dancer as a little one attending the ballet, but even just your general Joe Blow, just like, you know, feeling comfortable enough to be sitting in a seat watching the ballet. That, that can be a huge step for some people. Absolutely. I think theatres, you know, they can be sold out, you know, whenever you start representing cultures in ballet. Uh, what's happening right now with the Nutcracker is very important that finally the ballet world is representing cultures uh, uh, properly, right? They're really... Uh, talking to communities as well, how do we do this better? How can we represent you in the best light? That needs to, uh, there needs to be this uh, uh, conversation uh, between uh, artistic leaders, executive leaders, and the community. And I think it's happening. I think it's really happening. Uh, the United States have, has definitely ticked the box on, uh, uh, on diversity. Now, what we're talking about is inclusion and equity and also representation and visibility. Mm. And we're seeing more Black dancers, we're seeing more Asian dancers, we're seeing more Latinx dancers, we're seeing new LGBTQIA dancers, uh, queers, and so on. 
And, and I think it's, we're really moving towards a new era and where at least the conversation has been started and we do have an opening now to start changing, right? Yeah. I think making it more effective because these conversations, to be very honest and clear, we've had these conversations before, right? We just haven't had the outcome that we're having right now. I read Final Bow for Yellow Face, which was incredibly eye-opening and really did change my mind on, on quite a few things and made me really open my eyes, I guess, to, to what does need to change. I'm curious, what is um, Pacific Northwest doing in, with their Nutcracker? Have there been any significant changes to the repertoire or the choreography Absolutely. or the costuming? Uh, yes, to the costuming was number one to the tea dance. Now it's the cricket tea dance, and uh, it's 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 great. Um, and I'm new to the company; it's my first year here. But I do work with uh, the the um, inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility uh, subcommittee. It's, it's a part of the board and we are having conversations, we are working on it, we are training, we're having educational training, racial educational training in order for us to be aware, but also work on it, right? It, it's what we do within our works and how we translate that to the studios, right? Because we have to work in the body first, in the building, and then we are putting it out there in form of art as well in order to be more inviting uh, to, to dancers of colors, uh, to dancers of different cultures and celebrating these cultures, these dancers, uh, you know, and making people feel comfortable and feel welcoming, feel included uh, within this system uh, of the ballet industry. And I think it, once again, I think we're moving forward and I think great things will happen. I'm staying very optimistic. For sure. That's awesome. I, we need some optimism, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> some hope just keeps us going in this world we're currently living. Absolutely. I wanted to say congratulations on that note on your Taft Award for contributions in art, culture and music. That is, um, that must feel, feel good personally. That's an, um, it's an amazing achievement. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It was something I didn't even expect. I, uh, I, you know, it, it was, it was a beautiful thing. And I think it really just reinforced my purpose, uh, you know, and what is my career for? And then the, the questions ha have changed, right? What is my career for? Why am I here today? Um, and what's my new purpose? And I think that's it, is to continue to uh, bring awareness, uh, open new doors for the current and the next generation and, and build this legacy, you know, and someone will take the will and <laughs> also help me out with this. And, and, you know, as we embark into a brighter future, definitely. I just did a whole episode actually on, I believe legacy is so important and being able to serve your community in whether it's your small or large part of the world and make change. And I really do think when you have a, a purpose larger than yourself, it creates happier humans. And um, so, yeah, I, I love that you just said legacy because it's really tying in close to my heart at the moment and a topic that we're exploring on Balanced Ballerinas. So, but um, I need to finish off our interview with a question that I ask all my guests. Jonathan, what keeps you balanced? <laughs> what keeps me balanced? Wow, that's amazing. I think it's the idea of just living in the now. Presence. Just being present and allowing myself to have life experience and, and to be vulnerable, to be open uh, to what is coming and of what is to come and what is here. It does keep me balanced. You know, if I need to sleep a, bit, a little bit more, I will do so. 
You know, if I need to, uh, well, I'm surrounded by nature and I love it. Sometimes I just go to the beach and I just, you know, it's cold, very cold. Uh, <laughs> but I just sit down and I just admire, you know, and I'm, I'm just grateful. And gratitude is another word, too. Uh, it does keep me balanced. Uh, today, I was just walking in the corridors of the company and I just, my eyes just, you know, I just had tears in my eyes and and people would just asked me if I was okay. I said, yes, I am. I'm just allowing myself to experience the walks of life and just live in the now. And yeah. I'm just curious, um, you were talking earlier about before about uh, spending like your weekends getting to know your new town and like people and connect and whatnot. Do you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert? Oh, both. <laughs> both? You're, I was going to say, you seem like a very good mix. Like you can sort of hang out by yourself and be very content with like maybe a journal and, and a nice, you know, natural view of the ocean or something. But you also seem to have that amazing balance of being able to flick into, into soaking energy from everyone around you. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. You know, there are most of the days I'm just like, hey, guys, what are we going to do today? Uh, what are we doing tonight? Uh, you know, are we getting together? Uh, and then there are times when I'm invited to go out. I just can't. Right. I'm just like, uh, guys, I'm staying home today. And I just read a book or I, I'm in my balcony. I'm just watching the trees uh, and, you know, having lunch by myself. You know, I have I have a balance. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just listening to you talk and, and listening to details about your life. I, I figured you might be sort of like able to flick between the two, which is such a gift. I'm very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it is a gift. It is. It is. I love people, you know, but I also yeah. love the idea of peace and the idea of being by myself, the idea of understanding even, you know, it, it allows me to understand my experience right, to go yeah. through it. And I think journaling is so great because I'm putting everything that I'm thinking or even at times when I'm overthinking, I just share it with my journal. And all of those words, those voices in my head, they're in my journal. journal. And then some days I just open it up. I just read what I, what I wrote. You know, and sometimes I laugh about it. Sometimes I can't believe I said this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what kind of experience was that? And, 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 you know, once again, it's being vulnerable. It's being open for new experiences and, and you know, loving, forgiving, uh, renewing itself, your energy, you know, your thoughts and, and so on. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. And as an entrepreneur myself, going about my day now, because now it's 9am here, I am feeling very pumped for the day ahead. So thank you. And I, and I believe that anyone listening to this episode will feel the same way. So thank you so much for that gift, Jonathan. Thank you. So thank you. Much, Georgia. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for Amen. having me.